podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. To the sixth episode of the Pirate Rugby Pod. This week, we welcome our first ever guest to the pod, Nye and Chris, joined us from the Dream Team Rugby. How are we, lads? Yeah, good, thank you. Good, just having us. Great having you on. So, if this is your first episode, you can come here every week to get the latest on Tier 2 Rugby, Major Rugby News, broadcast updates, as well as a closer look at a different topic each episode. If you like the sound of that, YouTube viewers, please hit the like button, subscribe and share. Spotify listeners, please leave us a review and a lovely comment if you feel like it. Uh, if you want even more from the Pirate Rugby, uh, you can follow us on Twitter. Uh, we post on all the obscure games that happen across the weekends that nobody knows is happening. Uh, or you can head over to our Substack, which is a free platform. The link will be in the description below. Uh, and you can uh, see long form written articles from both myself and Ender. So, um, Ender, we start uh, with our moment of the week, uh, rugby wise. So, uh, Chris and Nye, uh, it can be something uh that you've seen on a rugby pitch. It can be something that you've seen vaguely rugby related on social media. It can be anything you like. So Ender, what was your favourite rugby moment of the week just gone? So for me, and I'm sure at least one of you must have seen it, the video of the Fiji team uh, sing their hymn. I know they do this regularly um, uh, before and after some of their games. So it was just, it was a really cool version. It was long. And frankly, like it was just such a nice relief after seeing, I don't know if any of you have seen the clips of the Irish team, like a massive Irish fan, obviously I'm Irish, but seeing the Icelandic clap, I'm just so bored of it. And it's just so unoriginal. So for me, yeah, seeing that clip of the Fiji team yesterday sing in harmony, it was brilliant. It was spine tingling. And yeah, just after the Irish lads uh, did the clap, I was delighted to see that. And I think you, your moment of the week is probably pretty similar. Yeah, based it was on similar. Uh, the Welsh yeah, lads. Yeah, so... Um... Obviously, everyone got excited about the Welsh lads doing the sing. So the Welsh lads sing, sang Callan uh, Lan, um, which is a, a hymn that's in Welsh. Um, so everyone uh, loved that. It was led by Corey Domachowski, the uh, loose head prop, uh, who stood at the front, belting it out. Um, and yeah, it went uh, down a storm on social media. We've also seen Dan Bigger doing his speech in French, which has gone down extremely well. And everyone in Wales was feeling pretty excited about it until we saw Fiji doing their song with literal like five part harmonies and uh just it was it was pretty special but uh i think at least we can take some solace and i think for me the welsh players suits are the nicest suits that we've seen in these uh world cup uh, welcoming ceremonies so far no white trainers which is nice um what about you guys uh chris and i anything that uh, caught your eye i think just on the back of that uh on twitter the the debates about the suits uh, had me kind of people on there rate, rating the suits, uh, rating the fit of the suits. I, there's people on there uh, taking the mickey at the Irish players because their ties weren't long enough. Uh, people sort of the the suede Oxfords were the were the best choice, uh, and it was just everything around the opening of, of the World Cup, uh, and then suddenly everyone sort of turned into a fashion critic. It was a uh, yeah, it was fun, funny. Yeah, similar. The England team didn't come out great. I think they came out of a like ill-fitting boy suits uh, as an England fan. But it was good to watch. It was good to see. It's good to see that kind of hype getting built into the World Cup, and it's almost like it's it's here now. It's ready to go, and it's it's quite exciting. Yeah. So yeah. what was it about Courtney Laws didn't fancy turning up? Do what do we think of that? Yeah. Bad news. I've said for a while now I'm a bit concerned about the amount of injury that's kind of being carried into the World Cup from the squad. I mean, I looked at it. It's something like 23, 25 percent if you include Courtney Laws. That's 
actually carrying or recently rehabbed from some description of injury. Um, so it'll be interesting in a competition where depth and like injuries are going to happen. It'd be really interesting how that pans out as they move through. Thankfully, the our side of the draw is relatively forgiving. Arsenal um, and Argentina, so maybe less so. But uh, it's going to be a it's going to be a long old tournament, I think, for English fans. Well, as a Welsh fan, I can say I only hope. Um, <laughs> so uh, our first section that we go into on the pod is uh, the big rugby news of the week. So first, we need to issue a correction from last week, don't we, Andy? Yep, already. Unfortunately, we've made an error. No. Uh, we did discuss, and I don't know um, if our guests, if you lads have heard this, so there there were some murmurings about Michael Hooper and the, like some of the reasons why he was left out of the, the squad. Um, but apparently these have all been uh, put to bed. Um, so we've been informed by Prendel on Twitter that these were completely not true. But I don't know, lads, if you, if you heard any of those rumours uh, about Michael and apparently not getting on with the squad or with the management or... There was a rumour about that going around, but it's completely false. But just want to ask you if you heard of it at all. I heard something about it, but like I said, it's, it's so hard to pay any stock to that because no one ever names their source, right? No one ever puts their hand up saying, like, it was me. I said that they were manageable in camp. So anything like that, it's, it's always difficult to say. But it's good to see. I've seen as well that it said that it'd come out and people said squashed it. Basically, no, it's not true. It's There are a multitude of reasons to why it wasn't been made cut. I think it's, uh, it's, it's got lost in what is the sort of the Eddie Jones bubble uh, and what is the Australia now? And I think there's uh, the, the Steve Hansen coming in. Uh, I'm sure we're going to get onto it later with sort of Cipriani and the Eddie Jones bubble. And there's just so much, so much going on with Australia and the management and everything at the moment. That's really hard, I think, to sort of pick one strand and not, not get stuck on it all. Yeah, yeah. Well, we, we will come on to Cipriani in a moment, but just... Uh, one one more bit of news before we do that. So it's gone round. Uh, I think it was Gavin uh, Mars, Gavin Mears. We can't pronounce anything right on this podcast. It's a tradition. Um, has broken a story. I believe it was in the Telegraph about the uh, Champions Cup being restructured again for next season, uh, with potentially the English teams only going down to five guaranteed entrants. I don't know. Start with yourself, Chris, as an English fan. What, what's your reaction to that? Makes sense, right? It's a bit odd when you look at it out of a 10-team league now, uh, obviously missing Wasps, Worcester and Irish. Taking eight into the Champions Cup, it seems a bit heavy. It just feels wrong, and particularly without because you want to reward performance, right? So you want to reward those going into that top five or top whatever position as you've got. And they're the ones that get to go to the Champions Cup. So much as I'd like to see more English teams there on the European stage, it feels right as a proportion for it to go down from eight to towards that five mark. Um, and then you look at the teams that are in from our side that would be in for this year, for example, it makes much more sense um, in terms of where they all sat versus who would actually go. Yeah, I think particularly, you know, when, when Bath qualified and of course Bristol have now got in since Irish went past. But I think when Bath qualified it, it, as eighth place at the time, that was kind of a bit like... Bath have been quite poor for a long time, so to see them getting to the Champions Cup when, you know, obviously as a Welsh rugby fan, people get angry about we get one place on geography, um, but to see maybe like the eighth place team in the Premiership get in, uh, for, for me, made less sense. Uh, what about yourself? If Bath going in, you start on Russell and like some serious talent. No, no, sorry, but like, like I say on Bath, it's really interesting, even though, like I say, I agree with it. 
with Bath now going out, they've just brought in Russell. They've just brought in some serious talent on that side of things. So you're going to miss them on the European stage now as well. Because it, so it's, when you give with one hand, you take with the other, right? It's really it's going to be an interesting season, I think, because of how rugby pans out. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, now, from your point of view, you know, what would you say about the constant restructuring of what's supposed to be one of the biggest draws in rugby? You know, does is is Europe starting to lose a bit of its shine for you? I think it is in a in a way, and then I think it's not. I don't think they're doing it just 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 for the sake of doing it. I think they've almost been forced. Uh, no one looked at sort of the 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 Prem and the RFU. No one ever planned to lose sort of two three clubs in in what is a space of a season and something like that. So I think it's almost that in a way their hands has been forced that they need to sort of look at it. And I think that the proof will be in the pudding. Uh, I think we'll look at sort of. The, the calibre of the games hopefully should get better because uh, we are selecting sort of the, the better teams. Um, but it, I, I think we'll just, we've got to let it play out. I think we've got to let's see if they do restructure and they do make changes. I think we've we've almost at this point, we've got to let that happen. Uh, no one changes it to make it worse on purpose. I think if they are changing it, they, they must be changing it with a view to make it better. Uh, and all right, that's that's quite trusting on on my part. Uh, but I think we've got to let them do it, and then uh, either sort of clap and say say well done, or absolutely berate them on the podcast afterwards. So yeah. <laughs> okay, look, guys, let's get into the juicy stuff now. Then, so Danny Cipriani has written a book, and it is being serialised. I believe is it again in the Telegraph? Is it the Telegraph or the Times? Uh, uh, it's the Times. It's the Times. OK, so he's got some stories to tell. I think he's always been known as one of the I, I think they are traditionally known as the colourful characters of, of rugby. Who wants to go first? You, you know, I, I could sit and read just read quotes of it for an entire podcast. Um, and uh, how about yourself, mate? I mean, what, what have you made of some of the, the quotes that we've seen from it so far? Interesting to say the least, aren't they? And I did see, I did read that extract where he said he came on, what was it, for 15 minutes and he got man of the match. But then it turns out it was a Twitter poll that basically decided that he was man of the match and not the official uh, commentator or whatnot. Look, I, I don't know, like it's it's a bit, it, it reminds me a bit of soccer, this kind of stuff that's going like it's 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 fascinating in the lead up to the World Cup. Like we'd all have to admit that we probably love it but we're not I, like as a rugby fan I'm not really used to this especially from an Irish perspective you don't hear these these stories come out and if there are these stories they're usually buried by the IRFU so you'd never see a player come out like this so it's it's interesting it's it's distracting it's yet more information on Eddie and what the yeah what it was like under his regime and it kind of reinforces my prediction for Australia doing really poorly yeah because it looks like he can't manage everyone on the squad well um so yeah just it's it's fascinating i and again but one thing you always have to be wary of with these things is is he telling the truth is all of this you know an, an honest reflection i'm sure eddie would deny a lot of those things especially that comment about uh, a female um which i had adds to it but look at, at this age i'm looking forward to the world cup just starting now and, and actually talking about the action not talking about these distractions but it's a little bit of soccer-esque for me and uh, maybe i'm just coming from a bubble in here in ireland but interesting to hear Maybe starting with yourself yeah. now. What are your thoughts on this? I think uh, financially they they pick the best time, haven't they? And and just to go away from sort of Cipriani, uh, but so I think Maggie Alfonsi, uh, Lawrence Delalio are both again released a book in the last sort of two weeks on the lead up. Um, 
obviously these stories couldn't have been released a, a, a year ago or a year later. Obviously now is the perfect time. So I think it is a little bit of, um, like you say, football-esque. It is a little bit of uh, what's juicy, what sells, stories sell. Uh, and they, they pick the right time. They absolutely come off the, the hype of the World Cup uh, and, and used it to do this. I think, again, with the Eddie Jones bubble uh, and the press conferences and the Steve Harris and uh, Steve Hansen, and you can call it all sort of Eddie Jones mind games uh, and publicity and sort of now Australia almost sort of underdog from their pre- previous sort of performances. So it is a bit sort of football-esque, but I, I sort of leave it there. It's all hype, and I think generally it is towards a World Cup. And as soon as the games start, all of the sort of tales and the and the stories about books will sort of go away into the background after that first sort of kickoff happens. I think. And uh, what about yourself, Chris? Uh, Danny hasn't had many positive things to say about the environments or the uh, the coaching styles of the coaches who didn't select him. Uh, do you think it's uh, straight bitterness, or do you think all those coaches were wrong and Danny Cipriani should have been England's ten for the last ten years? The honest answer is I don't know because I was, like, wasn't there. Like I obviously massive maverick of a player, right? And you see what happens with the likes of Finn Russell when yes, they go through some times where that rogue pass loses you the game, whatever happens. But then they, as they develop and become that 10, and I think you can hear coaches talk about it where it 10s in particular take a longer time to develop and grow into that game plan. So what would have been is impossible to say. I will say on it though, and me and I were talking about this recently actually, there's a big kind of drive, and obviously from our side of things in terms of run fantasy, for players to have like big personalities and stuff and bring that to the fore. But then it does feel a little bit when someone does that. Like say, we, we, call, we go and we're like, oh, don't do that. You know, go quiet, tall poppy syndrome, um, all that kind of jazz. And like say, it's a bit football-esque. But then again, football is the most successful sport in the world, right? Surely we'd like to emulate some of that stuff. And I'm not saying don't take away from the rugby, but... Whether it's true or not, it makes for a good story. And you look at this World Cup coming up and you've got, I mean, the potential of Eddie uh, playing against his old England squad again or Michael Checker from Argentina, right? The amount of stories that are going to come up and bubble up throughout this World Cup only adds to the drama of what promises to be a really good spectacle. So whether or not I believe everything that was said or I think it needs to be taken with a large bucket of salt, I think it, if nothing else, it adds to the drama and the flavour of, of the tournament. So I think it's no bad thing, right, for a little bit of a, an extra story. Yeah, I think I go with all of that, to be fair. So, guys, uh, that's the major rugby news covered. We will cover, as we like to do, some of the more obscure games at the end of the pod. Uh, but for now, we want to hear all about Dream Team Rugby and what you guys are doing. So uh, going back to yourself then, Chris, so... What is Dream Team Rugby for anybody who hasn't come across you on Twitter so far? Yeah, so hopefully for the many of you that haven't, uh, we are, so we're a fantasy rugby platform, essentially. So what we're looking to do is build a a fantasy rugby uh, site or game for the Premiership, which doesn't currently currently exist. I know it has previously with things like um, Rugby Mac and uh, Subaru offer some predictor games and things like that. But me and I have played Fantasy and Six Nations and various platforms. It's great, right? Like such a good way to engage with the game. We started looking at, is there one for the Prem? I'm a big, uh, obviously, England fan. Uh, and looking, getting more into that over a couple of years. And we developed the idea that we can um, and that we can do it. So hence, Dream Team Rugby was born 
over a beer or three as it may be um and now we're in the development process so we're we kind of put ourselves out there a couple of weeks ago or even a month ago now um talking about what we're going to do we've launched uh a blog page to kind of keep people up to date with where we're at and what we're as we build through it um but at its core we are a kind of a fantasy game for the premiership fantastic so now um as chris alluded to there um fantasy rugby is something that has existed before in the past but it's not always taken off so what what for you would you like to do differently from what we've seen, say, from the Six Nations attempts to do uh, fantasy rugby? Well, a lot of the big thing is the the Six Nations obviously came to, to a lot of different countries and we're going after something quite niche, quite this sort of premiership. Uh, and amongst the sort of uh, the, the beers and the joking and us sort of playing with it, when we, when we sort of looked at it, we wanted something and we eventually broke it down to four areas. So it has to benefit rugby as a whole, as a sport, uh, it has to benefit in some way the premiership uh, and then the clubs and, and the fans, players. So we sort of try to break it down to similar bits into what we wanted to do. And our plan was to come up with a fancy platform that kept everybody happy, uh, built for the fans and by the fans. And by making it as sort of as fan centred as possible, well, everything that then comes with that, is based on the fan. So the premiership should be doing things based on that fan base, based on what their fans want. They should be running it on that. At the same time, looking after player welfare and looking after players, developing players and helping what we can do. So it was what we wanted is something that we would be happy to play. We wanted something as as fancy rugby players that we want to play and that would draw as many people in as, as possible to come in. So everyone from somebody that just wants to play with their work friends, their, their friends at their local rugby club, uh, and just socially sort of play it, and something that if you wanted to would help all of those absolutely sort of analytic people that love stats, that love going in and digging into the data for individual players. And, <laughs> yeah, and it was some, something with an idea to keep everybody happy. So it would be simple for, for somebody that isn't a massive fan of sort of fancy and details. Uh, but at the same time, really engage the people that are. That's really why we've taken taken this opportunity and taken this chance to go and do something ourselves, because then we know we know what we end up with and we know what we want, really. Yeah, it's a huge undertaking. Yeah. And I think we, we didn't realise that until uh, at least a few beers. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah and, and on our first, it seems quite a quite a simple process uh, you've just got to go and try and find the data and then just build the website get it out to people done um but it's uh yeah if we, i mean we're learning things daily uh weekly i've, I've learned that chris has no time for for solicitors <laughs> doesn't trust and doesn't like them uh so we're learning so we're learning learning stuff and again looking at the data we're learning so much more i've played rugby i coach rugby i've refereed rugby i've, I've and I'm still learning things about rugby now, the business side, the prem side, but I'm still learning bits about rugby going through this process. And how far along the process are you? Like, where are you now in terms of like when do you have a launch date in mind or is it kind of are you kind of trying to be coy with that because it's, you are kind of maybe running into things that are taking a bit longer to, to work through and whatnot? No, no. So we'd initially planned. So we wanted to do it this season but as i alluded to it's like a big learning curve right so it sounds really yeah. simple in its process 
But actually, when you start getting into the nitty gritty and the details of it, what it takes to launch the, the agreements you have to have in place, the regulatory environment that surrounds it in terms of how you're going to monetize it, all that kind of stuff. Right. Because we can fund it, but then it needs we think of a way of how we're going to continue to do that and how we're going to make it sustainable as well. So all of that is taken as basic you know, this first year ish to build up. So we're looking at a launch for the 24, 25 uh, season so not the one coming up in october and um, much as we would love to but for the 24 25 prem season as it kicks off um it's kind of open for the launch so it will be the site will be live by august if all goes to plan from here um but with some testing in between so if anybody so that's part of the reason we wanted to launch the twitter and the social media and get ourselves out there a little bit is because as we go through this process is there's one thing to build the site then we have to start running some traffic through it and making sure it works so there's a few yeah. tournaments in between now and then where we can actually do that so you look at the likes of the six nations some of the big games where we can actually play with and give people a chance to get hands on feel for it gives us a chance to get some feedback and test the system so hard launch august but plenty happening in between exciting times so Nai, when uh, I got to spend some time with you when we went to see uh, England versus Fiji the other day, uh, and you were telling me about some ideas you had around incorporating the uh, the women's game into it and the Premier 15s into it. That's really exciting. Can you just, you don't have to uh, give everything away, but maybe give some clues as to what people might be able to look forward to. Uh, definitely. And it was one of the things that when we looked at who this had to benefit, uh, and rugby as the, the, the whole is, is one of them. Um, I help coach a, a local women's team, uh, and obviously in the last few years, the professionalism of the women's game and everything has, has come on leaps and bounds. The sort of spearheaded by sort of red roses and uh, and, the, and the wins in the World Cup and the Premiership being founded, uh, and it's huge. And it was one of the things that when we looked at sort of who who can we help benefit this, um, you would never ever see, and, and we will never see it in the future. A women's rugby team go and play a men's rugby team. That that won't happen. We'll never see a sort of woman in a in a men's rugby game in the Premiership in a, in a World Cup or anything like that. But what we can do is we can do a fantasy game that incorporates them. So you can have women rugby players up against men rugby players. They won't be on the same pitch. They won't be battling each other. But that's not to say that the the number eight for that team and the number eight for that team can't be judged. Through a, through a simple set of metrics. Um, so, yeah, so coming up with a game and coming up with ideas, and again, this isn't sort of a year down the line, but three, four years down the line, if we end up seeing women premiership games being played on the same weekend as a men's premiership game, there's no reason why that actually picking your premiership 15, 23 over that weekend shouldn't incorporate both men's and, and women's players. Um, and we, we we sort of we throw this around the uh, we throw this around our selective sort of pub group every time we have ideas. Uh, and somebody came up with the idea that well that'd be pointless because nobody had ever picked the women. But when you look at it, some of the Premiership players, women players, they're by simple sort of scoring metrics, fantasy scoring metrics. Some of these women players' stats of a phenomenal would absolutely sort of would wipe, especially sort of uh, the forwards, the front eight. Some of the women's stats absolutely blow the blow the men's stat of the water. So, if, if you did just sort of not want to pick the women and pick the men, do so. But you, I think you'd, uh, yeah, you'd be doing so at your own peril. I think. But yeah, it was it was one of the ideas. And going forward, like we said, 
we we want to help grassroots. We want to help sort of rugby charities. We want the this fancy is is a great thing, and I think if done right, it can help all aspects of rugby, uh, not just sort of that that championship, not just that league, not just that club. Uh, I think if we do it right, hopefully everyone will benefit from this. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I don't know about you, Ender, but when Nye told me that that, I, that concept of incorporating the women's game, I thought that would that was a game changer. I think if that happens, that is that is something really, really exciting. Yeah, and it sounds like I, it's the first time I've heard of a, a group of guys trying to do something like that. So it sounds like a unique idea as well, which is fascinating. And the women's sport in general is growing. So in three, four years time, when you guys have this ready to go as well, I think it'll yeah, you'll be in the right place at the right time, I think. And this, and like, we are all trying to grow women's rugby too, aren't we? So, like, it'll be great, I think, to to see them involved uh, in it. Yeah, brilliant initiative. Yeah, so, uh, Chris, what what kind of customer do you think you'll get? Because I think there's a perception sometimes with rugby that the fans are a little bit old-fashioned. Do you think that that's fair? Do you think there's going to be... Is there are there going to people going to be people who say this isn't for rugby or are you expecting any kind of opposition or do you think that people are going to be really receptive to this sort of thing? The answer is a mix of both, right? As with anything, so hopefully very receptive. Um, everyone that we've spoken to has been very receptive and loves the game. Um, I mean, many people played the Six Nations. I think is their first kind of encounter of fantasy sports, right? Started over in the states, got really big. It became very much like a thing you'd go down to your mate's house, you'd have like a thing where you pick all your drafts and all that stuff. Um, We're missing out some of that, but it's just an additional way of engaging the game. That's not to say they won't be the stalwarts of the game who are like, I've said for a while now, rugby is still in its fledgling stages of professionalism and still struggles with that. Um, So you still have people who want it to be something you do as a hobby down the, uh, you know, down the local club and then you pull on your shirt for pride of country and that's kind of how it should be. Um, not saying that I'll be able, we'll be able to convince you. Come and chat to us if you think that, and I'll try. But um, I think there's a large basis. I mean, we looked at some stats and some numbers around rough estimations of what the kind of uh, fan base is like for the Premiership. I think we looked at about between one and one and a half million people roughly actively engaged with the Prem um, on a regular basis, which is great, right? And this is not only to help like that existing base, but I think it helps grow the base bigger, right? It makes the pie bigger. It's a way for people who might not be able to play, can't get down your club, can't do whatever, but you can still engage with the game. You can still engage with your favorite players, and it's a way for those players. It brings the fan and the, and the club, the player, closer together, um, which I think is a massive benefit. And it's one of the things that rugby needs to do, right, is how do you engage, particularly in England, I can speak from that experience, but where, and it's been well reported on the tickets at Twickenham being, you know, 100, 200 pounds. I think I looked at Six Nations tickets for next year and we're looking around 200 or 300 sometimes, depending on the game. Your average 20-year-old come through university, plays rugby, isn't necessarily going to be able to afford that. So how do you engage and keep those kids in rugby? And Because they're that's where your base is, right? That's where your future is. And you need to grow that. And fans is a way to do that, I think. So hopefully we can reach out to them and give them a mechanism to actually be a part of it. Yeah, I think, um, you know, when I was talking to Nai um, the other day, with what football has had with fantasy football, and I'm sure it's the same with in the States where... Um, fantasy fantasy game is so big over there 
is rather than just caring about your own team, like you'll you'll be watching now other games that don't involve the team that you support and thinking, oh my god, who got the try assist for that try? Is it helping my my um, fantasy? And so it turns you from watching maybe one game a week into watching all of them. Yeah. You know, we put a nile admit it. But yeah, yeah, we, yeah. Whether I want to admit it on on TV, but one of the reasons that we thought this would really work was I think a year and a half, two years ago now. Uh, as a as a Welshman sat in a pub in England, um, England scored against Wales, and I think it was Anthony Watson that went over and scored in the corner. Uh, and I happened to have him in my fantasy team, so even though I was there with a, a, a Welsh top on and a few other Welsh people, the the Welsh sort of head head went down and the moment came up, and suddenly there was a little cheer from myself, uh, mainly because I had sort of Anthony Watson in my fantasy team. Uh, but we sort of laughed and joked, and I was like, "When would you ever sort of find a find a Welshman even be a little bit happy about England being score sort of scoring against Wales?" Uh, and I was scoring thinking, at all. Yeah, and that, so we we <laughs> decided then it was like, "This is like if it's got the power to do that, surely sort of fancy sport can can cross." And like the Americans do, they do fancy sport so so well that. Yeah. They they don't have supporters of individual clubs. They have supporters of their fantasy team. There's there's sort of people out there that make their own merchandise and like sell their own merchandise from their own fantasy sports teams and sort of don't necessarily follow a, a, an individual team in the NFL or the NBA uh, because they're so engrossed in the fantasy game that they that they don't do that. We're we're not hoping to get it to that extent because obviously we said that it needs to benefit everyone, but. Um, there's definitely an opportunity, I think, to to, to get fancy sport. As you alluded to, Hugh, I think you talk about it gives you width as well as depth. So yeah. there's a lot of trying to grow more players into the sport, and that's absolutely the right thing to do. More like fans and uh, following for the sport, which is absolutely the right thing to do, right? It's been the focus of many of the rugby boards across the world for many years trying to hammer how to do that. I think fantasy gives you a way to get more out of the fan base that you already have. Um, so you're getting width as well as depth. So I think that's kind of how we're looking at it, at least, and what we hope to do. And that's yeah. fascinating, true. Like that will get more people. Like so instead of just your sales sharks fan, they'll actually care about players playing for other teams and get them more involved. The only caveat to that is, of course, the the problem with the. So one area I always kind of look at is is broadcasting rights, and obviously it's quite frustrating. Like if you look at Newcastle Falcons for their first eleven games of this upcoming season, are going to be on TNT Sports. Every other game is essentially pay-per-view. Um, so hopefully that changes and that's something that we can all look at. But like even those players who or even those, you know, yeah, people, players who, who are interested in, in it, they will still be able to watch those games. Like those pay-per-view games are obviously still available. Um, but also it's worth noting when you guys are launching, that's when we'll have a new TV deal in place for the Prem as well. Because the current, this is the last year of the current um, deal. So who knows what will change? Because I know that there have been a lot of calls um for more games to be broadcast. Like if you look at the URC, um, both you and I are massive URC fans and we can watch every single game um, for a relatively low price as well. So hopefully that's something that, that we see improve as well. I think it'll be coming. I mean, if you look at some of like, I think there were three, the viewership, the premiership, uh, the viewership record got broken three times this year, each consecutive to the big game between the, uh, it was the Bears and Harlequins. Uh, the Saracens Harlequins game and the Premier Premiership final, all three of them broke the last one's record. 
when the record was set the season four. So much as the story is downturn and doom and gloom in rugby around the, the clubs, particularly around the premiership, I think there's some serious upside to look at. Um, and there's some promise there, right? So the more access yeah. you give to it, even for this pay-per-view, I watched the real, I don't know if you guys watched the Good Brother Rugby as well, but they watched, they had a really interesting story to talk about. Like pretty much everything's on pay-per-view now, but it's about how you manage that. I think the really difficult thing is being able to have one place that I'm paying to view, right? I don't want to be... I don't want to be having to go to 17 different channels to find the game I want and then the highlights on YouTube. It's, yeah, I think hopefully we can hammer that out in the next... I say we, it's not my problem, but uh, the Premiership can hammer that out in the next couple of years and it makes things much easier to follow. Yeah, yeah and exactly. Uh, and the, and the, the reason those viewers... Sorry, the reason those viewership numbers are up as well is because they brought ITV on board. And same with the URC, they've got... In Ireland, like I'm a Connacht fan, I can watch every single Connacht game for on free-to-air television. So I think that the rugby powers that be are, are recognizing the importance of free to wear so they, they seem to be trying to find that balance which is which is great sorry Hugh you're going to jump in there I was just going to say uh, Chris you'll go far on this uh, podcast with your uh, your desire to see uh, a streamlined rugby broadcasting strategy uh, that's something that uh, if other people are interested you can check out episode two of the podcast uh, where Ender takes us through the uh, the, the mire of uh, rugby broadcasting and how many broadcasters we have to put up with um Right, guys. So a bit of fun now. So we're going to move on to this section. So people listening to this might be thinking, but guys, there is a fantasy rugby um, game going for the World Cup. Now, obviously, it's not a dream team rugby game, so it won't be as good as what you guys would be offering, I'm sure. Um, But we thought we'd have a go at it now. So it'll be a bit of fun for us to uh, have a look at um, and pick some players that we think are going to do well. But it also gives us a chance to um discuss like the mechanics of the game as well and what we do and don't like about it um so guys i'm going to need you to uh tell me when you can see the screen all good what's up now mate fantastic right so rule i know that now when i spoke to you you don't like too too many rules but here on the pirate rugby we like to spread the love so i'm going to enforce a rule uh one player per nation Okay, so we get to get a good mix of tier two uh, players in there. Uh, We get to see uh, maybe give a bit of exposure to some players that people don't know about. Uh, And also it makes us think a bit harder because it means that if you say go for, I don't know, uh, Stephen Kitsoff as the loose head prop, you can't then go for uh, Manny LeBoc or Fafta Klerk or or Dwayne Vermeulen. so it's a bit more of a test for you guys and see see how, how well you know your rugby. So let's kick off then. One player per nation. So is there any players that absolutely have to be in there for anybody? I think it's... So I wrote a, really, I wrote a blog on this the other day, actually, talking about just this. And it's really interesting that you mentioned kind of one player per nation because that makes it even more complex. I think what a lot of people have done is they've gone out for like your Antoine Dupont, right? Who undeniably one of the best players in the world, if not the best player in the world arguably for a long, long time. One of the things to look at, which actually ben- doesn't necessarily benefit, but you can get a lot of the tier twos in, is what you're looking for is mismatch, right? So the games that we're looking at are not necessarily that you're the best player playing that round, but that you're like, who are you playing against? It's going to allow you to score. So while Antoine Dupont is fantastic, and if you were picking and drafting a team, obviously in your team, However, he's playing against New Zealand this week, right? Yes, correct. Maybe not your nine. 
that's going to contain his skills as, as well as anyone is, where perhaps in Italy or a Japan um, might have better luck uh, playing against a significantly mismatched team, not to be, because we all love an underdog story. Um, yeah, absolutely. General so, so who have Italy got this weekend then? Namibia. Nam- Namibia. Namibia. Ah, so that's an opportunity well, big for them to say. Namibia have yeah. never won a World Cup fixture, I don't believe. I think they were excited to play Canada last time out, but that game got cancelled for the typhoon. Uh, oh, so, if we're talking about an Italy player then, who springs to mind? So, Scored expensive though. Scored, scored that try against Wales, I think, where Josh Adams handed in the, the, the man of the match trophy. Absolutely stepped in blind, doing it for the little kids. Uh, stepped in, went in, won, won, the, uh, won the game for Italy. Josh Adams gave him the man of the match. I think as a winger uh, or uh, fullback, um, yeah, you'd expect him to be on that score sheet uh, probably all day, I think, against uh, Namibia. The other part there is something to consider, just to make it more difficult. You have got Tommaso Allen, who also plays in the back three, and is a kicker. So you've got some guaranteed points coming through there yeah. if you get an extra in your in your team. Yeah. Good, good, good. <laughs> I'll shut up. So, okay, so we, 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 I I fancy going for uh, Capuozzo. Um, I yeah, I like with you. Now I'm going to have him scarred onto my uh, memory forever. What he did to Wales, how dare he? Um, and uh, as uh, as one of the commentators called him on the Romania game, I think they called him uh, the the uh, ballistic pixie or something like that. Um, what? So first thing to say about the mechanics of the game is that it's allowed me to pick a full back on the wing. Yeah. So that's reasonably normal. I don't have much of a problem with that. A lot of teams do play full backs on the wing, like Will Jordan for New Zealand is a full back, plays on the wing. So that's OK. We'll see how that holds up for the rest of the uh, the team. So who else have we got to get in then? So did you say Japan have got a mismatch in first week up? Japan, Japan versus Chile. Chile. Much as we all love um, Chile and wonderful story. It's one of the bigger mismatches. So uh, Nak, if you if you've been following Japan, Nakamura in the centres. Uh, I'm I'm seeing their team sheet. He's uh, he's been having some storming games. Uh, yeah, I think he's definitely one to watch for Japan. Um, I think there's uh, who else? Oh, it was uh, the winger had a storm in World Cup uh, last year. Uh, Masha Mashimura was Masa, it? Masashida, I think it is. Yeah, Masashida. Again, you got Michael Leach in your front in your back three. If you want him? Some D. Sorry, back row. Shivi. Yeah. I agree. Yeah, that's so, the Centre partnership is one of the harder ones. Yeah, centre partnership, absolutely the, the most difficult. OK, so Ender, how about you? Where do you fancy going next? OK, so any other mismatches uh, this weekend? Fiji are playing Wales. Oh. Is that a mismatch? <laughs> absolutely. Well, Ireland are, Ireland are playing... Ireland-Romania. Yeah, Italy, Namibia, Italy are up. Ireland, Romania, so Ireland positive. That's the biggest one. Japan, Chile, Japan positive. Australia, Georgia, Australia, sort of, you'd back them against Georgia. And then Georgian scrum. Yeah. Then and then I think you've got three tight games in Fiji, Wales, South Africa, Scotland, England, Argentina, relatively sort of close. Uh, but the four, I think 
Italy, Ireland, Japan, Australia. If you if you were sort of not stuck to a huge rule of one for each, <laughs> and, load up. yeah, you'd be loading three from each of them four. I think is the. Uh, okay, so my question for Ender then. So, yes, Ireland are playing Romania, but is it a bit difficult to predict who will actually be on the pitch for this? Because exactly presumably right. Ireland will play a very changed team. You're dead right. Um, so now there have been rumours that Sexton might get some game time, but he needs it. Um, but if he does, he wouldn't play the full game. But obviously you're guaranteed some kicks with him and there are going to be a lot of tries. But what if they don't pick him? Um, I, Ronan Kelleher was up for media duty. He's been out injured for a while, so he might be getting a start. We do tend to score a lot of mole tries. Okay, could he okay. be a shout? Um, I like it. Or we could just go with Ross Byrne. But see, we don't know if it's going to be, even if, if Sexton doesn't start, we don't know if it's going to be Ross Byrne um, or Crowley getting that. Yeah, so we'll go Kelleher. I'd be happy enough. What do so, you think, so lads? This is, this is an official uh, uh, Crowley fan podcast. I need to be clear. <laughs> so if Ross Byrne's not I try to be balanced and give the, the Byrne viewpoint, but yeah. <laughs> it's, it's difficult. I mean, that Irish back three. I mean, like Nick Hansen, Lowe, I just, yeah, like Hugo, I just all of them have been absolute getting over the whitewash, getting getting points in. So I'd, I'd like to back them, any one of them, of getting over the try line probably a, a couple of times. But again, it's if they're playing. And exactly, which yeah. one of them three, which one of them three do you pick? They're a, they're a, they're a dangerous sort of high high performing back three. I think difficult. Difficult. Okay, so what what was the fourth mismatch as well? So we've got Ireland, Italy, Japan. Who was the other one? Uh, and you've got Australia, Georgia. In rankings, the, not that far off. Yeah, in, in rankings, not that far. Right, but you, you'd still like to probably see uh, an Australia come out on top there. Okay, so I've got the name that I've got in mind straight away for Australia. For me, hands down, their best player is Angus Bell. Um, as the prop now. We've got to pick props. What, what, how, how would you award points for a prop in a fantasy rugby team? Obviously, you'd expect them if you if they get a try, they get a point um, or points. Um, but how else do, do, do props do we think are gonna gonna make the points? I'm sure it says somewhere on the website. I haven't started looking it up. Um, but yeah, Cash um, mm-hmm. Gordon as well is, is almost certain to play. Go on, sorry. So they- in this game, they get points for scrums, so they there's some weird language and like not clarity around um, how the points are awarded. But they say for an outright win of a scrum, they award each of the front row three points. Um, things like meters carried, right? So um, they'll get points for that. Angus Bell, big proponent for that one, obviously. Um, and the Australian scrum did exceptionally well against what is an outstanding French scrum um, last Sunday as well. So, yeah, not a bad shout. I'm not sure I'd want... I'm, that's a, because they're going to get the points from the scrummage. Whether you want them against the Georgian scrum? Interesting Georgia's, question. Georgian scrum, for me, is a little bit of a myth. It, it like it has been it's traditionally is good but i don't think it's the strongest part of their game to be honest i think against sure. tier one nations i've not really seen them slam anyone into reverse i have to be honest by the way angus bell for 4.5 value that is massively undervalued in my opinion yeah, yeah. 
props are generally quite inexpensive, but like you say, Angus Bell gets some really good carrying points as well. So yeah, Eddie Jones does like a fast mobile um, prop. So yeah, I think he's a good shout. Cool. So Nye, uh let's talk about Wales. Uh, what Welsh player do you reckon has to be in this? Um, I, I genuinely, again, it'd be really interesting. Gatlin's hasn't played the same side for since he's come in. I think he's changed whole sort of back rows, back lines. It's uh, to almost to the point where I'm not quite, I'm not quite sure he knows what his sort of first choice side is. Um, it's been really difficult for Wales. We've we've run out against sort of England. We've run out against. Uh, other people in the warm-up and change our side so much, change the captain so much. Um, I would like to think that the Welsh back row has proven Jack Morgan, I think, has been sort of a, a standout star. Uh, and I'd like to see him sort of continue. I think he did really well as uh, as, a, as a young player, but as, as captain at home against England, uh, yeah. did the right job, didn't make a mistake, level-headed, calm, cool, uh, and just did some great stuff on the park. Um, I'd like to see sort of him in there. Um, yeah, and I'm I not. I think he's he's going to make great. I think he's going to obviously he's a great ball carrier. Uh, attacks the space with, with ball in hand as well. Um, I'm pretty sure I wouldn't put it past him to do a 50-22 at some point either. Uh, I think he's a. I think he's going to be a superstar for a so, long time. Yeah. If you uh, if if you follow our fan base, uh, a 50-22 for a prop would award you points. Uh, <laughs> when we when we it pushed it out, when, when we pushed it out and said what what deserves points in a fantasy game, the uh, the the prop kicking a fifty twenty two was uh, was up there for points. Uh. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, love it, love it. Okay, uh, and what about let's stick with you, Knight. What Fiji player are you most afraid of? Uh, I, I, both for their centre partnership. Uh, skipper last last week uh, was man of the match I think uh, well the winner was man of the match yeah um, Ra- Ram Raja uh, was phenomenal uh, he was uh, I think that link up with Sam Matavesi that sort of forwards doing what backs do stepping somebody the offload and then you've got the back absolutely sort of boshing somebody off uh, so I'd like to think yeah I think the other centre uh, Sammy Ranadra would absolutely just possibly. to throw a spanner in the works someone who didn't play last weekend uh, Vali Bottia who has yet yes, to actually yeah. come out so where's he, that back it, let's row. see where he's listed because he is he listed as a back row so he's this is listed back as a row. back row yeah, yeah not a centre he's, he's almost certainly play. playing easier target in that game 14.1 he's expensive but he's yeah. good now he's a fiend over the ball he's been picked yeah 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 so okay, so I think I think that's a good shout. I'll tell you why because I'm not sure Randradra is going to start because they've got Josh Tuasova and Nathalevu. Um, we we have to give lots of love to our Fiji viewers on this channel. They 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 show us the love. We have to show it back. Um, but I I think um, Randradra could find himself on the bench. If if potentially not in 23 because Tuasova is such a good option as well. Nathalie, we know he's going to play because he's the captain. So I'm I'm all for Bottier. Let's let's go for it. Uh, and that's good because it keeps uh, a centre option open for someone I am determined to get into the team later. Okay. So <laughs> uh, what about yourself, Chris? What England player needs to be in there? <laughs> Um, 
with looking at what's available. So I was going to say, so for England, for a very like specific reason, Jamie George, but that's only because you get extra points if they play beyond 60 minutes. And given that yes. England haven't changed their hooker more than like once across the entire warm-ups, um, he's almost a shoe-in for the full 80. But if we're saying that, I wouldn't give it the 10. Certainly not from all. For those of you who don't know, Chris has Chris has spent the last sort of three months in the warm ups of this World Cup selecting his England team. So yeah, this 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 might take a while. Yeah, come back in a minute, Chris. <laughs> okay. Uh, okay. So, I, I I think your your um, Jamie George shout is very valid, by the way, because I I really like Theo Dan, and if it was me, I, I'd be I'd be putting my eggs in his basket. But I I completely agree that we've seen that. Given the option, Borussia could rather not take Jamie George off the pitch. I guess um, Argentina, which is this round, right? Like he's not. That's a big game. You don't want to make big risks. Big game. Mm-hmm. The big game. Mm-hmm. Oh, Chris. Sorry. Oh, Chris, make a decision. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I love Stewart. I think Freddie Stewart is wildly underrated in today's uh, in the like for all his. For all his accolade or for all his like hype, I still think he gets a lot of stick because um, they say it's a one-trick pony with his thing in the air. But when he changes teams' game plan, you saw against Wales where Lisa Castello talking about how changes the kicking plan because Freddie Stewart's in the backfield. Someone who's that early strong despite recent performance against Fiji. Um, kind of beating team. Cool. Yeah, I, I'd go with that as well. I think he's as good as any player you've got at the moment. Uh, what about Argentina then? So who's going to be our Argentina pick? Uh, so you've already got your hooker, and I mean, Leo Montoya is an excellent ex, like if not one of the best in the game. Uh, he's got Mateo Santiago correct. Whereas I always get the Carreras mixed up. So Mateo Carreras, the um, winger, plays for Newcastle. That yep, kid has some beats. Absolutely yes. amazing. Um, their back row is also potent, but then you've got well to choose from. So, should we leave it to the man in the Argentina shirts with the Argentina player? Oh, oh go on then. Um, I'm going to go for Buffelli because he kicks the goals. And that's easy Excellent. to see points. Next. Uh, so, we've got three fullbacks in our back three, which this game will let you do. Um, which, again, I don't necessarily have too much of a problem with. I think England could end up with three uh, fullbacks on the pitch. Uh, anyway, right, I'm going to quickly do my one that I'm going to insist on as the person moving the mouse. Um, a player that I am uh, sort of in uh, a huge admiration of is um, Appleton for Portugal, uh, plays centre. Um, he's their captain and he's their go-to guy. Um, and I watched him play in some of the warm-up games and I was really, really taken with watching him uh, play. I think he, he. I'd like to see him get picked up by a big club somewhere. So he's who I'm going for. So it's a it's a running joke. We were playing. Uh, I was on rugby tour out in Portugal in Lisbon uh, last year, uh, and I think on talking we didn't quite understand the, uh, the the caliber of teams we were sort of playing. So we went out thinking it was a bit of a social tour, uh, and pretty much ended up playing some of the some of the top teams in, in Portugal. Uh, so, so a little bit out of our league, but it was always the sort of running joke that we've probably played against the 
Portuguese internationals somewhere in the somewhere in the mix, I think. Just claim it, just claim it. Don't let the shoes get in the way of a good story, mate. Um, Ender, give give me our fly half. Who, who's who's going for it? So we haven't got a French player in yet. We haven't got a Kiwi in it yet. Uh, we also don't have a Springbok uh, or a Scottish player. Well, we are Libok fans, aren't we? And he is going to play this weekend. He absolutely is. So Ooh. I would like to see Libok. Yeah, I agree. Just so, because we're massive fans. Well, we absolutely are. Interestingly, Damien Villenser is down as a fly half, which is what he is listed officially in South Africa's squad. But I would expect him to be playing fullback this weekend, is, is my prediction. Difficult, isn't it? Um, nailing down that. What about scrum half? Who wants to give me a scrum half? Is DuPont a bit obvious? Do we want to go for someone maybe a bit more out there? are always difficult to pick and you've got Thibaut Flamont from the French team who's an obvious choice so locks are always your hard choices so Antoine Dupont is your obvious choice but is there someone else out there with some talent I'd argue that yeah but they might be something to play with who you've got left in the games left to be chosen from got Georgia left to choose from still got Chile left to choose from everyone's very excited by Uruguay's scrum half uh, I go to it. Um, Arata, yeah. Arata. So everyone gets yeah. very excited by him. Who have they got? Let's just see. Du, 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 du. They won't play this week. He's not playing this weekend. Playing this week. Yeah. Shame for him. Shame but for separated him. into rounds. Round one is the first. It basically took week. So there's five rounds of the pools. They've suddenly get an additional three rounds in the knockouts. Um, Right. I'm sure we'll come on to it later, but in terms of how the actual mechanics of the game work, that, that influences things as well. Okay, right. So we've got a bit New Zealand. of cash. Oops, sorry, go on. Uh, so Aaron yeah. Smith would be New Zealand's, I guess, first yeah. choice from us. Yeah, and if you're not going sort of DuPont because you haven't got the sort of points left, I mean, I would. I hate to call Aaron Smith the sort of the backup because uh, I'm, sure, I'm sure he'll absolutely prove me wrong. Uh and sort of um, and pull it out of the park against uh, France, but yeah, you've got Aaron Smith as a sort of Dupont. I mean, that's that's a that's going to be a brilliant battle to watch. I think, yeah, uh, brilliant battle. Yeah, I, I won't name him because it's rugby heresy. But someone messaged me today to tell me that uh, Aaron Smith is head and shoulders better than Antoine Dupont. Um, Pretty I'm, job. I, I don't I don't think you're allowed to say that out loud at the moment. <laughs> Um, right, okay, so locks, we're missing locks. Ender, give me a lock. Right, which nation have we not chosen somebody from? Uh, still no French, still no Scottish. No still Georgia. No Let's go with a Scott. Okay. Take a look at our Scottish options. So Richie Gray, who must be about 48 at this point, it feels like he's been around forever. Uh, Grant Gilchrist, again, same again. Uh, Scott Cummings yeah. and Sam Skinner. I mean, we've got to get a Scott in there. Yeah, so we've got we've only got prop and loose forward left other than Locke. He went, he's got Schumann at, at prop. Mm. You've also got Jack Dempsey at loose forward. Um, Matt Fagerson, you've also, like, there's so many to choose from. They have a magnificent back row. Uh, see, I've always, 
No, I always last, but Finn Russell has done me proud in the Six Nations fantasy before. Um, <laughs> uh, so I'd always He's gone. He's gone. Uh, let's talk. Yeah, I don't. Yeah. And you've got, or you could choose Aldrich from France and you're the forward to go for Gray and your lock. I like that idea. I like that idea. Yeah, that I, love, I love Aldrich. I love Aldrich. Uh, so let's go, Richie Gray. In at lock. And Congratulations, Richie. Uh, and then, oh, sorry, loose forwards. We're going to go Aldrete. Okay, right. Other props. Oops. So I'm going to get, I'm going to get mm. to the other detail about this game. You are allowed to pick two loose heads or two tight heads. You don't have to pick one of each. Is that something that you would perhaps not choose to do in your game? It's more difficult to do, and it's almost a reliant on uh, the club naming their players. So if the club comes out and says this this player is is a centre, um, but we've seen, especially in World Cups, uh, British Lions, etc., that depth players like uh, Daly for England, uh, British Lions but centre, but can play wing, but can play fullback. Uh, if if somebody puts him on a bench. Uh, Who's to say that I'm putting them on a bench for the centre, the wing or the fullback? Uh, it's a really difficult sort of aspect to look at. And when we've looked at things as in props, I think, especially when you're looking at cross clubs, um, the fan base would, I guess, the, the tight head, loose head, unless they were purely that and not listed as any other. But I, I don't. As a front row. Uh, <laughs> I guess, uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, no, I think, so I don't mind it. I think it takes away, it's a constant balance, right, between getting it as realistic as possible in the fantasy game while making it as accessible for um, the fans as possible as well. Because while there's the me and you, so you can sit here and talk about all the players in the world and whether they play tight and what portion of the game they played it tight versus loose, um, et cetera. So you have like the likes of Sheridan, Valor, Ruskin in England who can play both. Like there's a multitude of them. So I think the way you probably do it is just to give them tags as like, prop and they can be chosen in both i don't mind it it's a small price to pay but it means you get to more engagement with those players i suppose okay uh fair enough i think that's a very good answer so i'm hovering over georgian players we're yet to get a georgian in uh we've got an australian prop so is it are we maybe i don't know a bit of game theory go sort of betting each way in this get your bets so, one of the strong got to win right like they got to. You'd, th- you'd, you'd hope. So let's go for <laughs> just the just the first one, just the, the first one that comes up. Um, Mary Ashvili. Uh, Which then, ironically, I think, has just cost you more than Bell, hasn't he? Yeah. He does cost more than Bell. <laughs> this is very odd. Right, we've got five and a half million left for our last block. Um, nice. So. My, who I would have liked to have picked for this to spread the love around would be Theo McFarland from Samoa, um, but sadly not playing in weekend one. Um, yeah. So uh, we'll see you for week two, Theo. Who are we Fantastic talking player. about? Yeah, uh, Saracen's boy, obviously. You've got Chile. Chile is the only one playing left that's uh, not been chosen. Although Portugal's also not playing this weekend. Oh no, not Appleton. No. I'll take him out. So is there not enough teams playing to go around fifteen selections? Only one left. Playing? You've got one. Sixteen uh, teams. 
playing, shouldn't they? If there's four teams not playing, it should be 16 teams playing. Frank New Zealand, and you've got uh, Japan, Chile, Italy, Namibia. Uh, we haven't got a Namibian. We haven't got any Namibian players. Namibia, right, Namibia. Let's, yeah. Let's pick a Namibian lock. They're, they're basically South African, right? Or is that a Canadian? Yeah. That? <laughs> <laughs> I'll say that. Uh, uh, then you, I'll give you a Chilean center. Cool. Yes. Right. Smash dick. Right. You, mate, T. De Clerk, you're, you're our lock. Well done. Great white hook right. yeah. He's sure to share out a sentimental, I'm sure. I'm sure he will. <laughs> um, right, and then we need a, a Chilean centre. Of course, if I was a real selector, I could pick their fly half as a second 5'8". You picked a Romanian. Oh, no, we haven't picked a Romanian either. Oh, we haven't picked a Romanian. Do you know any good Romanian centres? Excellent we should question. know. And they were supposed to be the expert. Should, should. Should. <laughs> I'd say Chilean. I'd go Chilean, Australia. yeah. Okay. So hang on. So we got uh, Ayaza is the most expensive Chilean. And then we've got, who was the other team? Romania, Romania, Romania. Yeah, uh, more expensive than both the Romanians. So on that strength alone, reassuringly expensive. You're in. <laughs> right, there we are locked in. There's the Pirate Rugby Week One Fantasy uh, Rugby Team. Uh, we're not going to make our own league this time, but we will be joining all the other major leagues. So we'll join Squidge's League. We'll join uh, if anybody else. Is joining the league. Oh, have you got a league? We'll be in your league. Uh, we'll oh, see you there. Yes. Got a good uh, good 1,800 people in, so a, a really good challenge. Cool. So I was going to say we'll share it around, but actually, no, can you share us? <laughs> uh, um, cool. Uh, we'll join the rap podcast as well because we love those guys. Right. OK. Right. Thank you very much, guys. Right. So that's our bit of fun uh, out of the way. So let's talk about the uh, the last of the rugby news uh, for the tier two roundup. So uh, now we have a bit of a section on here. It's called Tafts Abroad. So as we know, there was a. Uh, exodus of Welsh rugby players to the Pro Dead Duh over the summer. Um, but sadly, none of them were playing this weekend, um, so we can't talk about any of them. Reese Webb's obviously got his troubles going on that we won't talk about. Um, so Provence are um, still leading the way uh, with Vaughan uh, following them up, uh, both unbeaten. Grenoble are slowly catching up to the bottom after their points deduction for financial uh, breaches uh, last season. Uh, top 14 wise, uh, Alwyn Jones uh, and his Toulon side. You have to call them uh, Alwyn Jones' Toulon now. Uh, it's the rules. Um, they got beat by Bordeaux in a. So, Ender, how much of this game did you watch? I caught the last 20 minutes. It was a funny watch, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. Not... But... <laughs> However, Alwyn Jones did leave the stadium spotless uh, after his. <laughs> Picking up everything afterwards. Hashtag rugby values. Hashtag rugby values. Uh, he also did bring a distinct amount of Welshness to the line out. Uh, the line out for Border uh, for Toulon could not catch a cold in the first half, and then he went off at half time, and then it worked after that. So, you know, I wouldn't say that to his face. Um, uh, what else happened? Uh, Racing hammered Perpignan. Perpignan not looking good. They're taking some heavy scores, and Clermont beat La Rochelle eleven points to ten 
in a thriller of a game. Um, and you noticed something a bit funny on the sidelines of this one, Ender. Um, yeah, I'm sure we've all seen those clips of, yeah, Raj getting pushed and not reacting, which I was very surprised by. I believe it was Benjamin Urdapaleta. I think he is a, an Argentinian 10. Um, yeah, kind of gave him an initial nudge and then went in again. And Raj, yeah, didn't react, um, which is good to see because he's gotten a few bands. Um, he got a few bands last season, so... But to see him not react uh, like that. <laughs> uh, but yeah, what a cracking game. 11-10, I think it ended, wasn't that right? Yeah, so so top 14. So top 14. What about any NPC, mate? Did you catch any NPC this week? Yeah, what, we did, what I did see is that there's been a report from NZR saying that it, uh, they're questioning whether the NPC is sustainable, like our 14 teams to many. Um, but we also heard this week, didn't we, that the New Zealand Rugby Union isn't fit for purpose. So yeah, it, I, I love the NPC, like it doesn't get much traction at all whenever I tweet about it. Very few people seem to be interested, very few people I think even know what's on. Um, but yeah, it's a, it's, it's a great tournament. Um, but yeah, it's crazy that there are 14 teams, plus you've got the, yeah, all the, yeah, it's just to, to me, it's um, it's a brilliant tournament. Uh, it needs definitely more marketing, um, but it's, yeah, it's kind of sad to see it, the whole question around its sustainability come into into focus when we should just be concentrating on the rugby's and on the teams and on the on the results from the weekend. And um, but looking at that tournament as a whole, uh, Wellington are still on top. They're three points ahead of Taranaki, who lost by one point to uh, Canterbury. And Southland are unfortunately still winless um, and lie at the bottom of the table. You did you get a chance to watch any Scottish Super Not Six? No, sadly I I was uh, I was. Um, dragged into watching some other rugby and uh, very unlike me I was out socializing with other human beings rather than watching rugby um, which I promise not to do again um, <laughs> I promise not to do again after the hangover it got me um, anyway uh, so Ayesha is still top uh, they beat the future 40 points to nil future not going very well unfortunately the new team uh, the young team um, taking a lot of heavy defeats and Harriet's beat Watsonians uh, 64-0, bit of a shock there. I don't know if there was a red card or some kind of controversy happened in that game, but Watsonians are normally quite up there, so to see them take it. Harriet's have been good this season, but 64-0 is a lot. Um, but uh, out of that league, the top four teams get into the semi-final playoffs and it's still all to play for. Um, they're only the future can't um, mathematically qualify for the playoffs. Um what about any Interpros, mate? Was the Inter uh, Women's Interpros final this weekend? Yeah, so Leinster came out on top and um, didn't get a chance to watch the game because I was also out on Saturday. But yeah, uh, which is, I think, a bit of a surprise to a lot of people. A lot of people fancied Munster uh, to win that. So yeah, fair play to Munster, uh, to Leinster for winning that one. And then one for you, Nye. So the Welsh Premiership was back at the weekend and your old club, Newport, beat Pula uh, in the uh, Gwent Derby. Uh, excited about that? And it was. And uh, again, Rodney Parade's been uh, the home ground sort of Newport has been to uh, been to the mix. They've had to share it for the past few seasons with sort of uh, a football club plus the Dragons, uh, and it's sort of uh, been been hectic. But local derbies are always the best, and I think sort of Pontypool used to be one of the best clubs. I think the Pooler front row for the British Lions was so famous, uh, and a, and a club. And I think really one of the clubs that suffered when we went down to the district side and the Dragons and Blues, uh, Pooler was, Pontypool was one of the clubs I think suffered 
Uh, so it's really nice to see him sort of in in the Welsh Prem, and it's really nice to see him sort of getting back. Uh, but as a as a Newport boy, it, it is always nice to uh, sit and have a nice little win over the over the Poola Park lot. Yeah, absolutely. It was a great game. So for people who don't know, it wasn't very well publicised. And uh, um, bless him, tried to tell as many people as possible on Twitter. It is on S4C, which you can get if you're in the UK uh, through uh, iPlayer if you're not in Wales. Um, it's also available on YouTube as well. Is that right, Ender? Yeah, it was available in Ireland. I did uh, tune in for a while. So thankfully, it's okay. not geo-blocked with that uh, yeah, English it... commentary as well. Yeah. Oh, fantastic. Oh, really? OK. Um, my girlfriend's learning to speak Welsh. So um, sometimes I like putting um, S4C on um, to, to to help her out a bit. But um, yeah, um, fantastic. it was a great game. Um, a really exciting watch. It was a high scorer. Um, two great kits as well, Pooler and, and Newport. I love Newport's black and amber um, colour scheme. Um, and then uh, last game that we'll talk about is in the West Wales derby uh, in the Premiership. Landovery sit top after they um, thumped Camarden Quinns uh, 54-31 at Quinns. Uh, but Quinns scored two very late tries to make that scoreline a bit more respectable. It was a bit of a one-sided affair. Um, so that's the end of the rugby results. Uh and uh, do we need to cover the rugby broadcasting schedule for the next weekend, or is everyone pretty aware of where the, what rugby's going to be on and where it can be watched? Yeah, I don't think we need to go through it this week, and I think people are probably uh, familiar. But just as a reminder, everyone, so you are UK-based fans, uh, ITV are going to be showing uh, the games, plus F4C in Wales are going to be showing Wales v Fiji. Irish fans will have to swap between RTE2 uh, and Virgin Media, but again, Everything is on free to air this weekend in our part of the world. So um, that's great to see. There is some NPC action on. There is uh, the Premiership Rugby Cup actually starts as well. But they'll all be in the guide on Thursday. But everyone's going to be watching the World Cup. So like we need to go through all of those. Uh, but yeah, the guide will be out Thursday as usual. And you can uh, all check out what times the kickoffs are on and everything. Yeah, Chris, that's a bit weird, isn't it? The Premiership Rugby Cup playing at the same time as the World Cup. Is it just rugby being a bit insular? <laughs> it's very unlike them. They're usually so good at scheduling these things. Um, but yeah, it's it is a bit odd. I mean, to be fair, it's a bit, a bit of an odd tournament in how it's actually viewed and how you can watch it and how easy it is. There's been some matches this weekend in terms of preseason games for the big Premiership team as well, but they're not really good at getting them out there. Um, and like you say, everyone's going to be watching the World Cup anyway. I mean, I'll be in. I'm like a diehard rugby fan, and I'll be driving down to Marseille. So fortunate enough for me, but I'll catch the highlights. Yeah, um, should also say that Northampton Saints took a, a bit of a bashing off the Barbarians this weekend. Um, so we'll put that down to, to being rusty coming off the summer, shall we, Saints fans? Uh, right, so that brings us to the end of the pod, guys. Uh, it's been great fun. I've, I've loved every minute of this. Um, Chris, where can people find Dream Team Rugby uh, if, if they want to get into what you guys are offering? Also, all social media channel, uh, channels at Dream Team Rugby on Twitter is probably our kind of most popular one where I spend most of my time um, talking. But there's also the Instagram, YouTube, Facebook, uh, and our website as well. So dreamteamrugby.com. And we'll keep you updated. We do a weekly blog once a week as a minimum. We'll update you with just some general musings that we may have and also where we are with the blog and, and sorry, where we are with the actual fantasy game. Cool. Great stuff. Right. Uh, thank you, everybody, for joining in. I uh, hope you enjoyed the show. Uh, drop us a follow on uh, Twitter or uh, subscribe to the channel if you're new and we will see you next week thank you very much awesome. thanks uh, Chris and Knight thank you for having us
Social Podcast Network.